0: Hello everyone and welcome to a special episode, special interview with our pal, well I'd like to call him our pal, Joe Lyons uh, from 350 Spin and uh, we got a lot to talk about, talk about hopefully a lot of branding, a lot of advertising and a lot of things that maybe could benefit us probably, a lot of people that watch maybe benefit you. So uh, we'll start off by uh, letting Joe take the floor and Tell everybody uh, all about his stuff.
1: Awesome. Well, well, well. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah. So uh, I'm a creative director, which uh, is kind of like a, a different way of saying an art director. And in 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 the de- design industry, it's kind of like the uh, the person you hire that comes in and has the vision of how something should look, as opposed to like a graphic designer who might say. Well, tell me what you want it to look like and I'll make it. All right, so um I started off as a graphic designer, uh started my own company uh 23 years ago and just kind of worked worked my way up uh in my own company, working for myself, giving myself some good promotions. So now I'm a creative director. <laughs> um and and absolutely love what I do. Uh the company is Spin 350. Yeah, re- reverse, but uh Spin 350 Creative. Uh that kind of comes from a Everyone asks what that means. So I have a, a background in music and DJing, and that's the spinning. And then 350 was just always my favorite number, but I could never have it on any of my sports jerseys. I was always 35 or 50. Uh-huh. So when I was younger, I said, someday I'm going to have my own business and I'm going to put 350 on the sign. So when I started the company, I said, well, I have to do it now. So I put those two together and um, you know came up with something unique that there's not going to be any other spin 350s. So that's where we are today. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, you want to start with some
2: questions for uh, Joe? Joe, man, so t- so take us, take us, you know, start us off from where it began at, uh, you know, Bridgewater State College, Bridgewater State University now, where you yes. and I met. I mean, let's take it up. I mean, you know, it's funny so story. Joe, funny story. When you hit me up on Facebook, you know, it's you know hilarious. I never knew what your first name actually was <laughs> until you hit me up on Facebook like 15 years ago. I had to scroll through Facebook and I'm like, who is this guy? I'm like, I know his face. And then I had to scroll through. And I saw some of your DJ stuff, and I was like, it's Snoil. Oh my God. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> they, never, yeah, they, never, I guess... they never called you by your first name yeah. ever. And I knew you for three years. They never knew what your first name was.
1: That's so funny. Cause, cause you're not the first person to say that. I'm like, well, that's kind of funny. I mean, a lot of people have nicknames and I, I never realized that, um, you know, I, I guess I went by the nickname, which, which you're saying is Snoil, which is Lions backwards. Yeah, so S N O Y L, but yeah, so, um, God, I mean, man, go dive deep man, we have a
2: long time. So, talk about yourself. Yeah, man. this is um, exciting stuff. Like, so take us from there. So, talk about your Eminem days, the stuff with Mikey <laughs> from, from the BC Boys. Take us
1: from there, man. I wish you I wish know? the BC Boys. So, so the, the background, kind of the cool background story is that. Um, I I always knew I wanted to do something creative. I just didn't know what that meant, right? So when um, so I went to high school in Brockton at, at uh, Cardinal Spellman. Anyone from the Mass area knows Brockton. Um, and while I was while I was going to high school during the summers, I went to art school. Uh, I went to the Art Institute of Boston. Used to take the train in and and go to the art classes. So by the time I graduated and went to Bridgewater, I had already done a full semester of, of art classes. So about two weeks into the semester, they said, hey, you you have to drop your art major or you'll be here five years. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be here five years, I want it to be because I'm slacking off, not because, not because of a technicality. So I said, all right, uh, I can't be an art major. I'll be a communications major, which is what everyone does when they don't know what they want. So I became the communications major, which ended up being great because um, I had developed this this interest in music. And well, I always had the interest in music, but I developed an interest in in DJing and being able to mix one song to the next song and being able to take the vocals out of a song and put them over a different song. It just I, it really interests me. So uh, I showed up at Bridgewater with with my two turntables and a no microphone. Um, and a microphone i had this ridiculous like i built this thing on wheels that it, it looked like if you ever go to like a wedding and the dj has like a setup that like pops open it. i had built one of those which was very um large and bulky but it was on wheels and i remember wheeling this thing into the dorm room and my uh my roommate freshman year was like what what is what is going on here um and that's kind of that's what I did. I just I, I played with my music all day, uh kind of taught myself how to DJ some kind of dumb luck just by chance. I ended up at the college radio station. Um went up there with a buddy who had an internship and the person whose show it was never showed up. So I said, Oh, I know how to use this equipment. So I said, Let's do the show. And the um station manager called me the next day and I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I was, you know, I shouldn't have been touching anything. And he said, he said, "Hey, do you want a show?" And I said, "Okay." And I think my first radio show was like a, a midnight to two AM on a Sunday. It was something silly, but that kind of got my foot in the door because it, it was being able to express my um, artistic side through music. Right, so I really loved. I really loved doing that. Um, I was the only only person at Bridgewater who had a, a show for four years. I eventually became the music director. Uh, and that's when stuff got real fun, because as a music director, um, you start getting invited to shows and they're sending backstage passes and you're getting invited to sit in on studio sessions. Um, that's how that's all the, the whole M&M thing happened. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. So so one of our mutual friends, I, I don't know if you, you knew this, Ed, but um, Kim, who's Shaggy's wife now. OK. Um, Kim had a car, so I didn't have a car. And I was like, Hey, um, can I borrow your car? And she's like, yeah, what do you need it for? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going over to my friend's house. Who's, who's got a studio and, um, Eminem's going to be there. And she's like, shut up. And I was like, no, no I, I guess, I don't know what's actually, I don't know what the plan is, but they invited me to come over and kind of sit in on the session. And she's like, okay. So I, I always told her, I was like, yeah, I'm like, we were hanging out in the driveway and you know. Eminem was uh, sitting on the hood of your car. She's like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" Uh, but it <laughs> was kind of awesome. cool. He was he was an interesting guy. Um, spent like four hours in the studio with uh, with him. Just kind of, we were interviewing him. He was freestyling. He was wasted, <laughs> just getting tons of good audio. I rented one of those huge camcorders from the media services department at, at the yes, coast. and I filmed the whole night on a on a VHS tape. And the next day, before I even watched it, I put it in the mail to a company that was doing a documentary and um, never made a copy. Oh. A couple oh. of weeks later, they call me. They're like, when are you going to send the tape? I was like, I sent it. You didn't get it? And that tape has been gone. Wow. Ever since. <laughs> so if that ever turns up, it's going to be pretty cool because it's just hours of of footage of of. Eminem in Boston, and just having a good time. That's awesome, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, that, was, that was the, that was the music
2: side of things kicking off at Bridgewater. That's awesome. I know Andy said, so Andy's going to want to ask this question, because, I mean, look, him and I, um, we're big Beastie Boy fans. So, I mean, so take us through that, how that worked out and everything like that, you know. Because, I mean, you did some stuff
1: with Mike D, right? No. Um, no the okay. only connection there was Mixmaster Mike came to Bridgewater. Okay, okay. For that, Springfest. Okay, okay. That and was, that, and cool. that was cool because I got to be the opening DJ every year at the Springfest concert. Right. And that would have been, I think that was my senior year. Um so Run nice. came, <laughs> Mixmaster Mike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that, uh, that, that,
2: that's my mistake.
1: Sorry. No, no. That's, yeah, I, I, I wish I had uh, gotten <laughs> to be on stage with, with those guys. Yeah, because uh, that,
0: that could turn into a bunch of other Beastie Boys stories. Uh, yeah. You know. And so, I miss the Beastie Boys. Oh, don't we all. Don't yeah. we all. Uh, not not to segue away from that, but great documentary that the two remaining guys put out uh, a year or two ago. Great watch. Yeah, on Apple. yeah
1: that's a great yeah, watch. That, that was really good. Um, yeah, but, music, music's changed a lot. Um, you know, I, I was kind of at the end of a generation of actual um, turntable DJs with vinyl. Um, everything transitioned into... Um, at the at the time, it was Serato. Now there's like a mix of things, but you'd have one record, and it was an MP3 encoder. So you'd have the record on the turntable, and you could scratch and mix and do all the things, but you never took that record off and changed it. It just fed the music into it. And I never, I've never used it in my life because I kind of got out of it um, right around that time because I was doing uh, I was doing mixtapes, and mixtapes used to be a huge thing. Um, and now yeah, everything's, everything's digital, but I actually had like a, I had a distribution deal with a record label and my mixtapes were like all over the world. It was cool. Cause I was, you know, I was doing this while I was in college. So it was great to to have that income and, and be able to, um, you know, see my stuff in, in places. But then then everything started getting weird with piracy and, and copyrights and then everything switched and like the whole Napster. Um, and I kind of stepped back and was like, well, what am I doing? Am I, you know, I'm doing all this this fun stuff with with music, but I was already kind of getting burned out because by the time I was a senior, I was DJing every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and um, even after I graduated, I still DJed for a couple of years. And I think all it took was a few nights where I was DJing in Bridgewater at the old Bogarts, and then I'd get in my car, <laughs> I drive to Saugus, and I DJ uh after hours from like 1 a.m to 4 a.m and i'm like this is this is too much um because i'm like am i going to be doing this when i'm 40 it's probably not so um that's when i decided to kind of phase out the music and get back into design which is you know where my where my real training was um so i said I, you know i'm gonna i'm gonna see what i can do i went back to school to, to kind of get the graphic design, web design certificate. Um, right out of college, I started working for an architect. My my godfather got me the job. I worked in the mailroom making copies and I was back in school, right? I was taking these classes and I, and I set up an appointment with the CEO and I said, hey, you guys don't have a graphic designer. You should hire me. And he was like, what? Who, who are you? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> Don't get my mail. Um, but, but he gave me a chance. He said, you know what? He said, yeah, he said, let's, let's, let's create a position. And this was in, um this was in the summer of 2001. And most of the clients that this company had were in the Middle East. So 9-11 happens. They, it's just The economy tanked. These guys had to like, you know, start letting everyone go. Of course, I was the first to go. (laughs) So I only had a a real job of the real world for like two months. Um, You know, so now I'm thrown out into this industry of of designers and marketing people. And I've never really done marketing, but, you know, marketing people were were trying to get all the graphic design jobs because they needed to get back to work. So I'm this guy with no experience in an economy where the bulk of the people that got laid off, were, were in, they were writers, they were designers, they were all the people related to marketing, right? Because yeah. when the economy tanks, people invest in sales. They don't worry about the marketing stuff or the design stuff. They just use what they have. And they say, we, we just got to you know move the dial here and we'll worry about design later. So I didn't know what to do. Um, I, I went to some staffing agencies. I was figuring out what I needed to do and they said, we've got a client in Cambridge that needs help with an email campaign. I had never done an email campaign. I was like, perfect, I can do that. So I I took the train out to Alewife, which is the last stop on the red line. And I go in and uh, I sit down with these guys and he's like, we're trying to send this email to everyone on this list, but we don't want everyone on the list to see the other emails. And I was like, you mean like a blind, blind copy? He's like, what's that? And I go, you paste it in here. He goes, oh, awesome. Thank you so much for coming out. We appreciate it. And I was like, that was it? He's like, yeah, just tell tell the staffing agency you were here eight hours. And I was like, all right, well, you want me to do anything else while I'm here? And he said, any chance you know how to do graphic design? I said, as a matter of fact, I do. And he said, well, our graphic designer that we've always used just moved to England because her husband took a job over there as a teacher for six months. So we were trying to figure out what we're going to do. He said, you want to come back tomorrow? I said, sure. Came back the next day, the next day. And this was, um, this was WR grace, which is, uh, you know, the same company that that had all the issues and and they did the movie about it with John Travolta, but this was their construction division. Um, So I was doing ads for construction products. Can you, can you do packaging? Sure. Can you design logo? Sure. They ended up keeping me so busy that they said to me, they said, we can't hire you because of the headcount. We're going to pay you, uh, you know, through the staffing agency um, as long as we can. And I said, well, how much do you pay in the staffing agency? Because I'm only making 16 bucks an hour. They said, we're paying them 30. I was like, all right, well, why don't you just pay me 25? So I got a great raise. They got rid of the staffing agency, and, and then they were my first client and they kept me so busy that I eventually um, hired two designers under me. And they said, you want to hire people, you project manage them. We'll give you all the work for the U S Asia and South America. So I was cranking out hundreds and hundreds of projects for these guys. Um, and they kind of catapulted my, you know, me starting my own business. And that's how, that's awesome. how that started. When I when I I speak at schools a lot and students say, you know, what what path did you go? And my path is so non-traditional because I didn't I didn't get a d- degree in graphic design and then start working at an agency and then eventually start my own thing. Right? You know, I had a communications degree. I went and work, worked in a mailroom. Then I had a position created, and I got bounced into a temp job that turned into a consulting gig, which turned into me really just starting my own business. And it's, it's such a non-traditional path.
2: But I think Joe, I think that that sounds like a lot of people though, because I mean, if you remember me back from college, I mean, I was a phys ed major, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, I did, I did an internship at the VA and then all of a sudden there I was, I was working for the largest beer wine and liquor wholesaler in new England. And all of a sudden, two years after that, it was like, yeah, you're, you're pretty good at that. Um, Why don't you come up be a, uh, you know, an account manager for the largest import in the country. And I did that for four years. So, awesome. you know, I I think it's one of those things where everybody kind of, you know, it's, you're kind of like, uh, you know, that it's kind of like that, the the, uh, the thing from Forrest Gump, you know, with the feather in the wind. You know, you just kind of sometimes you have to kind of go where the wind takes you. You know, and yeah. and I mean, I never thought in a million years I'd be living in the South doing what I do now. So, you know, it's I think it's that. I mean, I, I think would you pass that message on to the young people? It's like you know, look, you got to jump on opportunities that are given right. to you.
0: You know. You and you yeah. worked at the VA I thought you told me you worked with VD <laughs> no I worked the VA no I, oh, okay I think you got right.
2: the, I think you got one of the letters confused Andy.
0: oh okay all right I'm slow yeah, so you,
2: you know <laughs> maybe you got hit in the face with you know with uh with one, one too many of the
0: rubber bands from the golf <laughs> balls you know I think so I think so <laughs> yes uh so Chris um any questions for uh, Joe about his uh business or anything?
3: Yeah, definitely. Hey, Joe, Chris, nice to meet hey, you. Hey, great to meet you, Chris. Yeah, man, I'm a uh, goon number four out of the five that are <laughs> regularly on the podcast. So these guys brought me along. I love doing it. It's, you know, good times meeting people. It's, it's good stuff. So uh, I was just curious. Obviously, you've done so much stuff between, you know, uh, Swayman, James White, Eminem, which we already mentioned. I know you've done a lot of work for like colleges, Northeastern University, Harvard um the music video for uh jesus also uh for a country songwriter uh, right i didn't work
1: with jesus but the song is called jesus yes yes
3: yes (laughs) (laughs) uh what was your favorite thing that you've done like all time as far as like experience wise and what what about it like really you know made you invest like everything you had into that specific project
1: and it's tough to pick one um i recently did some math and it came out to over 6000 um projects I've done over the years now i don't mean full full scale i mean like pieces of project right like a logo and then and then a website and then of this um there's so many but i would say at the top of the list um you know a couple that come to mind you mentioned james white from the patriots um he took over it's cool how things come full circle so He took over the Mayo Bowl, which was uh, Gerard's like um, bowling fundraiser, which raised money for uh, pediatrics at um, Boston Medical Center. And when he took it over, they needed, um, you know, they needed the event branded and they reached out to me. um, And I, I almost messed it up because I remember I was I was at Subway getting an egg and cheese and the phone rang and I'm like, Doing this and 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 the girl saying something about it's you know it's a nonprofit event for you know James White James White in the Patriots and she's like you know we're we're trying to find um, you know somebody that can turn around the branding and you you were recommended I said okay awesome and then I said let me give you a call back and I never got her name and I realized it was like a no you know no number like a. <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> So I ended up figuring out and following up and being like, Hey, um, yeah, I'm definitely interested and in, and, um, you know, this is a nonprofit project. So let me kick back, you know, um, half the budget and donate it, donate it back. And she was like, that's amazing. So the, my, my favorite part about this project was I got to design the logo for the event. So all the players, you know, had the logo on their shirt and it, when it was on the, um, the step and repeat. So when Brady showed up the second year, I got, okay, so Brady's with James White. They're standing in front of the sign. I'm like, that's my logo, like right over Brady's shoulder. So that was, like, for me, that was super cool to have, you know, my work in a, in a photo with with such a legend. Um, Absolutely, man. That's so, super so, cool. I mean, that, that was a game changer. And I loved, and I loved doing the nonprofit stuff. I try to do a, um, a bunch of nonprofit uh, projects throughout the year. Um, I just worked with mass fallen heroes for, for their golf tournament. Uh, I've worked with, you know, Dana Farber is as many as I can, as many as, um, financially as possible. Right. Because you got to pay the bills. Um, you gotta eat, man. Don't you You gotta eat. I have two little months. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Sorry, that's yeah. the sales guy
2: coming out of me, Joe, you, yeah. you
1: gotta, eat, you know, that, that, that was probably my favorite. I think my second favorite was Bostonia public house. Um, these guys were like, we want to build a restaurant that has a pre-prohibition Boston vibe. And I was like, all right, let's do this. So, you know, I it did a super old school, you know, 1800s look and feel, printed the menus on, on old Brown craft paper, uh, their business cards. I, I made them were made out of wood. Um, you know, I did the bar taps and that was a super cool. And, and if you ever get to go, to, to that spot in Boston. it's Super cool. Subway tile, big, tall, um, booths. And then just recently, uh, Brian Cranston and, and Aaron, uh, from like, Breaking Bad. Yeah. They, they were there. They were there like promoting their tequila. So I'm like, those guys are in front of my logo. So it's, I, I love that stuff to be <laughs> to be able to see these people with my design work. Um, so those are probably my two, two favorites that I can think of for, for client projects right so what what i what i ended up doing um and, and sorry i feel like i'm just like no no, no no this is ahead. about you man. no it's all about you this is, this is awesome. you all right this so has I, to do. That's just,
2: I live into you man that's how we're doing
1: all right yeah because you you guys are gonna have to cut me off at some point because i get I, I get so yeah. excited about about these things what was it
0: we have a countdown for that, Joe. Don't worry about it. Okay, we, okay. I'll, I'll get an alert when we're running late. Stop but that, that's fine. But, uh, um, not, well, pause that right there because, you know, whether we make a connection or not, or you know, Ed, we, we'll have to work on something, but we're on a shoestring budget here. I'd love to hire you right off the rip to do something for us. But well, <laughs> it, just to get an extra amount of Zoom, I had to make a kitty for these guys just to kick in for us to get uh, extra time.
1: So, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm glad you guys have the the paid version of Zoom because I don't. So this would be a thirty minute call. Um. Well, we had we had an interview that got
2: cut off at like twenty nine minutes and fifty nine seconds, yeah. show and it was kind of rude. The guy was awesome, and, and this guy Sean from SkateWeights, he was awesome. And all of a sudden, we we're talking at the end, and all of a sudden
1: it was just like boom, gone. You know, and
3: so well, it uh, was like
2: executive I- decision. You know?
1: As as a small business, it's like, you know, where can I squeeze pennies? Right. And I'm like, do I really need to pay for Zoom? So like whenever whenever I'm like, you know, emailing clients, I'm like, yeah, you know, just send over a Zoom link and I'll put it on the calendar. I'm like, hopefully they're not like, no, no, you send it. And then I'm like, no, no, you send it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. But but so Chris, to 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 answer your question, or I, I guess I did answer your question, but what I was gonna say is you know, when I started Spin 350, it became, you know, this is my studio. I I have such a, one of the hardest things that I've ever had is how do I explain what I do, right? Because I'm not a marketing guy. I'm a branding guy. I don't own an agency. I own a studio. I don't have a team. I do everything on my own. So it's kind of like a, a hard sell sometimes because people are used to um yeah we'll come in with your team and and you know we'll go over it. and I'm like just me um and then some people are like oh it's just you but then they realize oh well, you're the one that did the uh, you know all the work we looked at okay you know and then it, it's they look at it different but um w- when I started spin 350 I didn't know what it was going to be I had mentioned when I was uh, consulting I brought on a couple freelancers w- when I had the opportunity to buy this studio and and stop working with that one client and say, I, I got to take this risk. Like I knew what it felt like to to be laid off and to kind of have everything pulled out from underneath you. I said, I can't have this one client. I've got to have another plan. So I said, I've got to open a studio. I've got to remove myself from grace I, as grateful as I was for all the work. I said, I can't be there every day because it's preventing me from going out and meeting people and finding other clients. So I'm going to open a studio and I've got to raise my rate. So they could have very easily been like, it's not going to work out anymore. And then I really would have been screwed. But um, I felt like I had to hire those freelancers as full-time employees. For some reason in my head, I was like, well, I've got a studio. I need employees. What ended up happening is I no longer was a designer. I was a sales guy. And my job was every day to find enough work for my employees to do. And I was like, this sucks. This isn't what I wanted. I, I, I don't think I ever wanted to be running a business. I just wanted to work for myself. Um, so things kind of fell into place after a two-year divorce and a lot of things that I was like, you know what? I got to let go of the people I have. A couple of them left. I had to let go of a couple. I said, I'm going to start over just, just me spin 350 is just me i'm doubling my rates i'm only taking on better clients where i can do less projects and make the same amount of income as if i did three times as many little projects again another risk but without taking that risk you can't really get to that next level of of that sustainability because it's really hard to um you know, having a a business like mine, it's a hundred percent service-based. I'm not selling a product where I can just make more. So the commodity is my time, right? So I've got to put value enough value on my time where if I'm working a full week, I'm covering everything and being able to pay myself. So, so that's kind of how spin 350 um, came to. But but what I started to realize is, as much as I need the spin three fifty work, sometimes my passions were in the other stuff—the music, the collaborations, the um, you know, like shooting that music video—and it's a different audience, right? So what I did is I said I'm gonna I'm gonna start a separate brand called Every Day Is a Canvas, and the. The reason I came up with that is because I wanted to kind of separate like Spin 350 Creative is my design studio. And it's this is where I work with Harvard and this is where I work with like Bristol Meyer squib and, and MIT and all these like big brands. They don't necessarily want to see like pictures of me and Eminem giving the finger. <laughs> right. It's like right. totally. And I don't want that either because I'm like, eh, how am I? Not great I need, branding show. I need to separate. Right, I need to to have two brands. Right, so I was watching um, Craig Sager receive the um, the Jimmy V Award at the ESPYS. Um, one of the one of the best speeches I've ever seen in my life, and in that speech, he talks about you know at this point he was he didn't live much longer after mm-hmm. that, um, you know, and he was talking about fighting cancer and and um, he had said one thing I've learned from all of this is that every day is a, is a canvas. It's an opportunity for living, for loving, for learning. And I said, wow, I said, that's, that's kind of how I feel because whether or not you're an artist, you kind of have like every day you get to start over, right? Every day is a new day where you can, you know, clean slate. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. You want to do something positive, do something positive. You want to get out there and try something new, try something new. So I was like, let me put this together as kind of like a, a, a movement, I guess, in a way. So I started up Every Day as a Canvas and um, that's where all of these cool projects are coming from. You know, like the the, the projects I mentioned were, were Spin 350 projects, but um, all the other stuff is, is Every Day as a Canvas. It's, you know, like you mentioned Swayman. That was kind of a cool thing where um, I did a limited edition print um, for an event, um, that was, you know, with the Bruins Foundation and, and the guy putting it together said, can you, can you make 10 of them and number them and and sign them? And then, um, we're going to sell them at the event and then Sway will sign them. So like, that was super cool, but that wasn't something where they like reached out to spin 350 and said, Hey, we have this, this thing that we want to hire you for. That was more of me being like, let's do a cool collaboration. And they were like, right on. Right. So I love doing those projects because that's where the passion is. When you spend all day long doing this like corporate rebranding and and designing data sheets, and it's it's very tedious. Um, and it's, you have to be on, you know, like if, if I always try to explain it is when you're a writer and you're just kind of staring at the blank screen, like how do I start this story? Um, the work I do, I'm on average, around 20 to 25 projects at a time is, is my sweet spot. So it's like, all right, I'm going to start this story. Okay. I'm going to start this story. Okay. I'm going to continue on this. And I, I bounce all over the place with all the projects. And, and by like noon I'm exhausted. And, and as I'm getting older, I'm like, ah, I don't know how long I can do this because I'm kind of getting brain burnout. Hey, great ad feature for Dunkin' Donuts for that spot right there i quit drinking coffee oh, oh.
2: no but, okay. I, but
1: you know what's funny is i drink twice as much tea okay so hey
3: quick so follow-up joe go, go ahead chris sorry just a quick follow-up i yeah. you touched real quick before about you know having a couple of mouths to feed obviously clearly you're a busy man you gotta you know go out there be a go-getter uh, do you find, like, that balance sometimes difficult, making sure you make room? Of course, you know, my kid, I, I have an 11-year-old, most important thing in my life, obviously, you know, my wife. Do you – are you able to work out, like, a good balance where you're, like, happy with, you know, the attention you give to your kids and, and, and family and, and so on?
1: Absolutely. Um, when my – so so my, my kids are, are five and seven. Um, when my seven-year-old was born, I said, I'm going to be home every day at five. Um, I grew up, uh, had a great relationship with my dad, but I had a dad who was gone seven to seven and he worked real hard for our family. He didn't retire till he was 78. Um, and I really missed out spending a lot of time with him. You know, we spent plenty of time together on the weekends and, you know, doing every time he did projects, we were, you know, listening to, to the paths on AM radio, uh, you know, working out in, in his workshop or whatever. It was great. Um, but I kind of made that commitment seven years ago, and I've stuck with it. Um, and and as a single dad, I mean, the time that I have with my kids is is the time I have with my kids. Um, it's it's hard to to have the schedule of you know bringing them to school, so their school's three towns away. So I drive them to school, I get back home. It's nine o'clock. I leave again at 2.45 to pick them up and then I'm done for the day. So my day is like 9 to 2.30. Um, in that time, I've got to get eight, 10 hours worth of work done. So there's a lot of times like, you know, tonight if I wasn't on with you guys, I'd probably be working on some client work. I, but I was doing some before we jumped on. Um, and that's just, you know, me figuring out how to make it work because I've have got a I've got a commitment to my clients to get my projects done but that kind of works its way back to me because I've got a commitment to my kids to make the money from the clients to give the kids what they need. Right. So it's like, it's kind of like a weird, um, you know, I'm not having a rough week and being like, well, it's all right. I'm when, when I get paid Friday, we're gonna hit the grocery store. It's all right. Well, if I don't get this shit done, (laughs) I'm not going to get paid Friday or whatever. You know, I don't have a routine paycheck. You know, I'm waiting for this client to pay their invoice and I still have to, you know, figure out how to take care of the bills and the mortgage and all this other stuff. So it is stressful. And I think you have to really have the stomach to work for yourself. Um, I've definitely had many sleepless nights. I've definitely had many nights where I second guess whether or not I can do it because I don't think I have a business mind. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm kind of i uh, I'm a creative, right? So I'm introverted. I, I've forced myself to, to get out of that, out of necessity, but there's, there's been plenty of people who, who have worked for me as subcontractors or whatever that I would never put in front of a client because they couldn't have a conversation because they're just, super creative nerdy like let them just do their work and don't don't have them talk to anybody um sometimes I wonder if that's more me and then I have to jump on the phone or 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 a zoom or not so much now but you know go into a boardroom with with all these people who are decision makers on this huge project and I've got to sell them on it all the while thinking to myself if I don't get this project am I going to be able to pay for my kids soccer or am I going to have to figure out like you know, so it's, it is stressful. Um, but but, but Joe, I have a question. Doing what is, I like, that's the thing.
2: But Joe, but the thing about it is, is that to sell yourself and something that you're passionate about, it's that heart-mind connection when you sell. I mean, right. that, so like if you're really passionate about yourself, I mean, it, it makes it really easy. If you really believe in your product, which funny story, when you're selling yourself and you're selling yourself, I mean, you have to believe in your product. I mean, that that's 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 sales one-on-one so that i mean that kind of correlates and so you know coming from a sales guy to you i mean that that should kind of just say man it really shouldn't be that stressful because you're selling yourself which it's easy because of the work that you do you know i don't so think you're the, i don't think the
1: yourself. stress is selling myself i think the stress okay. is am i going to get the project
2: gotcha yeah well right? I mean, <laughs> because there's always
1: that. Th- there's a lot of people that do what i do um and it's and it's getting harder every year with um you know, I've got to convince people to pay me a premium to design their logo, knowing that they can get their logo done for free from about 50 websites. Right. right? And it's like, yeah. um, I'm not too worried about AI. Um, AI, in my opinion, I mean, the train's left the station, so it's not like we're going to fight against it. It's going to go away. So um, I think the people that are going to survive that are, that are in my industry, are the people that figure out how to um, utilize it, which is what I'm doing. I, I, I use it every day, um, not for design stuff, but for the, the tedious um, th- there's so much of the work I do doesn't have to do with design, right? Like if I'm building a website, I'm getting, you know, five different word documents and an Excel spreadsheet and two PowerPoints. And they're like, here's our content. Right. So I'm using AI to, to organize stuff like that into, um, to proofread and to rewrite stuff, um, you know, the content side of things. Uh, and then obviously I have to go back and check it, but that's saved me a lot of, a, a lot of time on the tedious stuff. So you just have to figure out how to, how to adapt. Um, and, and, and I think you have to be able to say no to people. That's, that's kind of something that I've had to learn as I've grown is um, you know, everybody thinks that graphic designers like do it for fun like oh you know i've had people say hey i've got this great project for you where um you know you can design a logo for us for free because it's it's going to look good in your portfolio and i'm kind of (laughs) like trying not to be a jerk but i'm like i don't need help with my portfolio why aren't you taking serious what i do like this is what i do for a living and um You know that's always a challenge because because everyone thinks they're a graphic designer uh, and everyone thinks that that their input is good input um so there's certain projects that aren't good projects um i i I say no to friends a lot of times there are there are obviously i help people out when i can but um you know working with friends and family sucks so (laughs) (laughs) I, i agree i totally agree
0: and uh the, the thing I like about the interviewing I don't want to use the wrong term, small business. Uh, small business, it's that kind of connection that you make as your journey through uh, uncharted waters, you learn things and you talk to people and you surround yourself with people that if you have a question about, Hey, how'd you do it? I'm so enamored with the whole story of how somebody created a business worked for themselves, got away from that middle-class rat race that we all get caught up in because it's so easy just to get that paycheck every week and not to spin this away from uh, your story, Joe. But I started this podcast with the hope of turning it into something bigger because I saw so many podcasts that I listened to and I said, Wow, I can do better than that. I'm, fun- I'm funny. I know funnier guys than these guys. I I have better stories than these guys. Why don't we just get together once a week and start talking about what we like to talk about because we're not close anymore as far as seeing each other like we did when we were kids growing up. So let's stop like that and let's just make a half an hour every week and start talking. And then it's built into something. And then we go from there. And now, you know, I'm looking to build it more as a hopefully business someday where maybe I'm generating an income monetize the website or the, the the YouTube channel where I can give these guys something back and say, not only thanks for your time, but come along on the journey with me and let's meet cool people. Let's meet like-minded individuals. Don't have to be a celebrity every week or something like that. Let's meet people that think just like us. Let's go on other people's podcasts and make connections. And so I fully love you know, your journey and your story. And, and I'm a dad of these guys. No, I'm, I'm up. I I do everything pretty much with the podcast and I'm up to here. I I mean, I went from Vermont last week to almost Connecticut in a weekend and still met these guys for an hour and, and got it done. And so I know about the running around with a, you know, I have a a 10 and a 12 year old and they're both super involved with hockey and I coach and, so i get i get the struggle I, I get and i'd love to be able to serve everybody you know help i'm always been i'd like to start a business where i could take a ride with everybody that i i truly love and take them on a journey with me and nobody would have to work anymore and we could all just you know come along but you know it's, nice. it's great just you know making a connection that you know and everyone knew that ed had a connection with you and I just thought we were interviewing somebody new for the podcast. So it's a great story. And I'm, you know, I'm totally zoned in when you're talking about intricate details of how you did this and that. So awesome. You know, you. You know go yeah. right ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Thank Thank you guys for having me, because this is just like, um, you know, when you work by yourself, you, you, you know, you're not taking breaks going out and you know talking to your coworkers and grabbing lunch with your co-workers so it's like, like ooh, people want to talk to me that's you know it's, it's awesome you know <laughs> it's, it's also hard finding people who um you know a lot of people are just uh, hate to say it but there's like a lot of dull people out there that aren't interesting <laughs> so so when you're able to you know watch a podcast or listen to, to something or 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 sit down with people and and throw around these ideas it's it's great because it kind of gives you some hope that there's actually still people out there that are interested in things yeah because i i see you know especially with little kids and you get it like you see kind of like where things are going and you're like does anyone go outside anymore does no. anyone go places anymore it's just just to like, get me started on that yeah George. we you oh, know, man. we
0: can talk about you know, I can talk and Chris can talk from a coach's perspective, how kids have changed just with their attitude towards an adult. I mean, uh, you, you gotta be a gen X guy. So that whole Gen X mindset, like you were talking about your dad. Um, I spend a lot you can ask Ed, I my my father was almost like everybody's second father or actual father. So uh, you know, we Five had for everybody. I mean, if you were outside playing and you were in somebody else's yard, you had, or God forbid, you went into somebody else's house, which you were never invited into. That was like the, every family's sport. You might go in there to get, uh, you know, a drink of water or use the bathroom or something like that. And you were like on your tippy toes because if you, you know, got in trouble there, you got even more in trouble when you got home because there'd be a phone call home. And so you get, you know, twice as much. And, neighbors policed each other they policed everybody's kids and you know you didn't go ahead no no i'm just i'm i'm agreeing with you yeah yeah uh so yeah um that that subject comes up all the time like in my personal life being an older guy i mean i had my kids at 38 and 40 so uh you know i am just over the 50 mark we're all and this year too so we're all just hit that 50 mark so uh our perspective on everything is always Gen X. You know, uh it's it's changed a lot. I mean, uh some things for the better. I mean, like with uh, Corey checks and things like that. So there's no weirdos hanging around. But I mean, look when we were growing up in the 80s, all the, you know, child abductions and things like that, how that's changed and and how that's police for the better. That's a that's a better thing. But everybody going back to your original point, everybody Learned how to do everything outside. You learned how to deal with people. You learned how to make friends. You learned to uh, how to solve your own problems. Not everybody ran home and had their parents fight their own battles for them. I mean, you you got in scraps. You 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 fell off your bike and you didn't run home and and uh, it wasn't the end of the world. You know, you take uh, a. Ape, a- you smashed somebody's dirt road bike road. into
2: a tree and bent their front yeah, I mean,
0: yes. you know. we rode bikes. No that was personal. At the ramp. <laughs> you know, all that, all that stuff that people don't think. We were feral. I mean, we, we went outside like on summer vacation. You were outside all day, all day. I mean, I can I say this all the time to people that don't understand it, and these guys will, and you will too. The biggest punishment was you couldn't go outside. Now you can't get kids to go outside. You can't <laughs> saying go outside and do something.
1: Yeah, I don't. It's it's terrifying to have little kids and and try to figure out like, well, how am I going to do it different when it's how everyone's doing it now? Right, right. It's right. like, well, I want to I want to make my kids stay outside and not let them in, and I'm like, are the neighbors going to call the cops on me?
0: yeah it', it, it it's I mean, crazy get
1: in the house like
0: it, yeah. Um, yeah my some of my bigger fears are having somebody that's got a cell phone because neither one of my kids do, and they're showing them inappropriate stuff that I had to find in the woods when I was a kid that were, you know, it's it, you know like an old playboy or something like that and they're showing them stuff on their phone that they're not age appropriate just because they have you know some kind of access to something they shouldn't have that's that's a parent's fear. things that we had to be over 18 to see or you had to sneak a result somebody's got some something that you know it was a thing now it's yeah, not a yeah,
1: thing do a whole oh, episode God. on on why kids today are, are, are screwed yeah yeah I mean it's, it's talk about how, how great gen X is it, it, it's true it, <laughs> it, it, it I, mean, awesome. I,
0: I see these tick tocks all the time and it they People don't believe the Gen X perspective. It's like we were built tough. I think we are officially sorry, Chris. We're the last generation of really, really tough common sense. We were grown outside, and that's it. You know, the, yeah, both of the parents. what it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that's it, what ha- it,
2: that's what happens when your grandparents went through a, the Great Depression and went to a, and went to war for five years.
0: Yeah, and volunteered for it, Ed. There was yeah, no draft. It, they volunteered for it. Yeah. That's 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 the thing. But uh, yeah, um, Joe. What a, I mean, I'm I'm so glad that uh, Ed had you come on the uh, so podcast. Joe,
2: now it's your time, man. You got a 90 second plug, man. It's your turn. T- yeah. tell it, contact information. Okay, like, I get in touch with you. Like what? Like good projects coming up, stuff like that. All Let right. So,
0: but before Joe takes us home. I just want to say that I hope that we can make a connection going, you know, forward. That we can, uh, you know, have Joe on from time to time, talk about stuff, talk about, you know, whether it's maybe Joe can make a podcast appearance and just shoot the shit with us, or we'll we'll work it out, Joe. So I, I just want to uh, say from us, we're, we're, I especially from me, um, I'm very happy that Ed reached out to you and we made a connection. Hopefully, and we can continue. Uh, I always ask everybody that comes on that it's uh, not just a one-time thing that we can continue to uh, grow together. You know, you're probably way ahead of us, but I'm just saying that, you know, as Gen X guys, we can make that a uh, brotherly connection and, and take it, take it forward from here.
1: I love that. Um, it was, it was great meeting you guys. Thank you so much for, for having me on. Yeah. So um, like Ed, Ed said, come hang out, talk brew and stock, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah I'm so God, glad man. that, we, that oh. this- after the Bruins game, so oh I
0: Joe, you see the logo in back of me. We're not talking Bruins. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's America's team. We are... everybody that comes on here, it's gonna bash and throw it in
1: my face. Don't
3: that's worry, the... Joe. We are used to running them off. You know. <laughs> did,
1: did Did you know they won in overtime tonight? I don't, I don't know if you. you I, I don't follow uh,
0: AHL teams. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch. I watch real sports. <laughs> Love it. But anyways, not all kidding aside, uh, fantastic, Joe. We're gonna wrap it up. We're almost at eleven o'clock, so uh, let's bring us home with uh, everything that you do and where people can reach out and get in touch with you and what you got going on. So take it away, take us home.
1: Awesome. Thanks again, guys. So I would say that um, the best place to see what I'm up to is going to be on Instagram, on Everyday as a Canvas. Um, that's where I'm I'm putting content the most. Um if you're uh interested in seeing what I'm doing kind of on the corporate side with with my business clients, that's gonna be spin350.com. Um and it, as far as what I have going on right now, um I just did a really cool uh uh can design for a pina colada drink with uh Bruno Mars's um uh rum company. Sweet. It's, it's the rum. Really good. Um so that's coming out this summer. So look for that. It's called the Selvare, uh Skinny Pina Colada in a can. Um, and then as far as uh, music, I'm trying to think if I'm doing any. Well, so I may be doing a, um, a music, a Biggie music video with a uh, remix that I did. Um, that's kind of in the works right now, but it's, it's halfway done. So that could be coming out soon as well. So a couple of fun projects, but yeah, definitely, uh, every day is a canvas, uh, and every day is canvas.com, uh, is curated, um, projects, kind of like my favorite projects and, uh, projects that people have asked me to put out. So that's another place. All right. And then so- Joe and then is everything I do in one spot. So that's the spin three fifty stuff to every day is a canvas stuff. Uh, speaking engagements, the nonprofits I'm involved with, everything in one place. All right. Awesome. So, Ed, are you ready to uh, wrap this up? I'm just going to say, hey, this is a big
2: Tony's goodbye. Thank you, Snoil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, just Joe. Stay on it. when
2: we kick off, man, when we, when we sign off, okay?
1: You got it. Thanks, Joe. All right.